This is Sarah. And this is Emily. And this is Sister's Take Aside, all about Maura Murray, part two. Hi. Hi. Oh, you're mad at me. Yeah. Okay. I am. Sarah was being rude to me. We, we just, we just were talking on mic for like five minutes and she was being, she, as we tell Henry sometimes, you got some sass coming out that booty and Sarah had some sass coming out that booty and we'll just start over again. Hi. Hi. Good to see you. So great to see you. Sarah, what is this? What are we doing here today? Um. So we're actually going to cover, I know you hate part two, but we are going to yeah. cover the second portion of Maura Murray. It's not good for the SEO, but I'm excited. But Listen, more... We have a lot to get through and I don't think you're yeah. ready. I don't think you've prepared yourself. I'm not ready, but I am prepared because we're doing this Sisters take a side after dark, after baby. Dark. Here we are. <laughs> so Guys, listen, we cannot be responsible for anything that happens during this podcast. Well, here's the thing. So and I guess it's a programmatic update, right? Yes. So, tell the tell listen, the people. Emily and I, we got a lot going on outside of this little pod baby that we love. Love her. And so we've decided we've made the executive decision because this is our podcast and we have Yes. Six very loyal listeners. <laughs> We've decided that we, for the time being, and this will change because we always change everything. Change everything. We right now are going to record bi-weekly. This decision bi- was bi-monthly. not- monthly Well, every other week, right? Yeah. Bi-weekly would be twice a week. Bi-weekly would be once every two weeks. Bi-weekly would be twice a week. Bi-monthly is twice a month. We're going to record twice a month. Girl, are you okay? Blink twice if you're okay. <laughs> I mean, you get paid bi-weekly, so every two weeks. Anyway. Is that right? We've decided, yeah. We've decided oh. to record every two weeks <laughs> because <laughs> life has gotten pretty strenuous outside of this little pod baby. And we just want you guys to hear it from us. So we... We're going to record every two weeks, and we hope you're okay with that. We love you. It's not that, you know, we don't love doing this. We just have a lot going on. It's not you. It's us. It's not you. It's us. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Um, But we're still going to be bringing, like, the same great content your way just, like, every other week. And, Sarah, I'm distracted. Is that a Taco Bell bag behind you? What am I looking at? Damn it. I meant to (laughs) – I meant to mute my background. (laughs) Yes, it is. Listen, I have enough Taco Bell to drown half of our town in that bag behind me. And listen, I'm are you going tomorrow? Are you going to eat it now? Or are you waiting? No, it's for no. in my environment after this. This is work. Okay, I'm here to work. I know. I know. Okay. Well, before we dive in, because I know we have a ton to cover today, um, can I tell you guys and our listeners yes. like the biggest true crimeiest thing that happened to me today? Yes. Okay. I'm at the playground with – What? Girl, you're not ready for this. I'm at the playground with Henry and Owen. And Henry has a big stick and he's using it (laughs) to like dig at the ground. He's just digging. He's just – Henry loves a good big stick though. Like he loves loves a good big stick, loves to dig. He's digging, digging, digging. And I said, buddy, what are you doing? And he goes, mama, I'm digging. 
I said, oh, okay. Mm. And he, he says to me, he goes, he goes, uh, what Henry digging for? I said, I don't know. What are you digging for? I shit you not. He says, Henry looking for people. No, I'm not fucking kidding. I'm not. Are you kidding. serious? I was like, excuse me, sir. What? What? And Tom, because Tom from across the playground, which mind you is like full of other like suburbanites. Tom from across the playground was like, well, buddy, there's places you can go for that. And I said, and I, I'm, yes, I'm shouting. I'm, kidding. I'm like, no, there's not. <laughs> and Tom, Tom goes, yes, there are. There's body farms, like corpse farms. I was like, can we stop? Like, so we were those people on the playground. For some reason, Henry thought he was digging for bodies. I don't know what's happening, guys. I don't. Um, so I just great. needed you guys to know. Okay. Well, if anyone wanted to write in and tell you about their kids digging for bodies, Emily, <laughs> where could they do that? Cut to Sarah chugging her high noon. Don't think I don't see you. Um, my nephew's digging for bodies. Like, girl, where yeah. did he even hear that? He heard us. He's digging for people. Well, you were listening to TCO while you were pregnant. That's why. Oh, I was. I know. Yeah. I always joke that like Henry's going to think Patrick Hines is his dad for how much I listened to TCO when I was pregnant. <laughs> Patrick, reach out and tell us. You know, I have to say, this is so cheesy. Like TCO, I mean, it's, oh I mean, we gosh. always talked about it. It's the reason why we started a podcast, mm-hmm. but like it was like that first moment of realizing like how connected you can feel to people on a podcast because when Henry went to the NICU, I listened to TCO mm-hmm. All you did. night long. I mean, literally for 72 hours straight, I had my headphones in because, like, I just couldn't function. I mean, anyone, like, so much love to, like, all my NICU mm-hmm. moms out there. Like, you you can't imagine it until you're in that situation. And I did. I listened to it for, like, 72 hours straight, and I listened to their voices, and, like, mm-hmm. I cried. And it was – I mean, it was the only thing that, like, got me through, like, that really horrible couple days. And so, you know, anyways, why are we yeah. talking about this? What is happening? I don't know. Can I guess what episode you listened to, though? Sarah. What episode do you think I listened to? Literally, I'm you listened to their Wiener coverage. Of course, I fucking listened to the <laughs> Anthony Wiener coverage. Okay. Speaking of, one of my girlfriends oh. from what? What? No, go ahead. One of my girlfriends from work found the podcast, um, which because like I don't really talk about the podcast at my real job because yeah. I don't want my boss listening to this. But like, her and I are like great friends, like outside of work. And anyways, and she was like, "Well, what should I listen to?" And I was like. Listen to the Wiener, the Wiener app. <laughs> so that's how you got me into TCO. And also, yes. um, your girl Huma was in the news this week. What's going on with Huma? She, Sarah, you better not be telling me she's not okay because I will have to get off this mic and go console myself. We're not going to like this. Shut up. Are they back together? No, 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 no. Don't do it. Don't tell me they're back. Oh, no, not only not. are they back together, but they found a dead body in their trash can this week. Wait. I, need I feel like I'm breaking. Feel like I'm breaking Antarctica news to you right now. Say <laughs> Antarctica, but all. Wait, wait, wait. Her and Anthony Weiner are back together. I'm pretty sure. Stop it. Okay, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to cut all this out because this has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But I have to know Huma. Yeah. So Abedin. while you Google Girl. that, so this week we are gonna finish up our series. Wait, no, on... you can't. No, no, stop. No, you have to. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, okay, first of all, she's dating George Soroso's son, Alex Soroso. I don't even know who that mm. is. That's fine. No, she found a dead body? She's also dating. What? Mm-hmm. Why are you whispering that? Well, what is it? You know. How do you know that? <laughs> what are you I'm very connected. 
No, oh, oh, she's very connected. No, it's all these articles about how, yeah, her new boo, everything she cares about. Blah, 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 blah. I see nothing article. about a dead body. Are, did you find this on like Fox News, Sarah? I've talked to you about watching Fox News. Found <laughs> it on X. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, send me this article. We might need to do like a sister sick aside reacts if this is a real thing because I can't handle it. It is a real thing. Oh my god. Okay. Well, it's not what we're here to talk about, and we're not, not here, here to talk about Henry finding bodies apparently in the ground. Oh, but we need to follow up on that. That's a circle back. Please circle, circle back to that. Circle back next week on the deliverables of why the Henry fuck? thinks he's finding bodies on the ground. What's happening? People, why? Why does he think people are buried on the ground? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. He listens to us too much. I don't know. And then Tom, we, we there's places like yeah. that. Tom, Timothy, right in. Could you explain? That? Shut your face. Explain that. <laughs> I love you, but what are you doing? Anyways, so guys, Sarah's Taco Bell is getting cold. We we gotta we gotta we go. Gotta, we gotta we have to. This. We have to. We have to go. I. It's, it's unhinged. Okay. Eight pages of notes. Okay. So. This week, we are continuing our coverage of Maura Murray, and I know because anyone listening right now is a true fan, and they've already listened to the first episode we did on Maura Murray, but if you yeah. haven't, pause yeah, this diatribe, this, this <laughs> word vomit. None of this is – we're not going to be able to air any of this. No. But go back and listen to our first episode on Maura Murray, and then come back and rejoin us. So, anyway. So, okay. Now come back to the future. Now come back. Back, back, back. Okay. All so, right. We left off last week with Mora hitting the open road right. with no indication of where she was going and no evidence that she had actually chosen a destination. So, all of us on a road trip. Mora stopped at, um, as you remember, an off-campus ATM around 3.15 p.m., withdrew about $280, which was basically all the money in her account. Same. Same Z's. Yeah. Um, she then stopped at the liquor store, spent about $40 of that money on alcoholic beverages, Bailey's, Kahlua, vodka, and a box of Franzia. Around 4.30, Mora departs the Amherst-Hadley, Massachusetts area, headed in the direction of New Hampshire. Now, Mm-hmm. Again, it's unconfirmed that she had actually like chosen New Hampshire as right her destination, but that's the direction she was headed in. Can I just pause you here and say that I think you and Maura would have really been great friends. Maura and I would have been best friends, right? Like she is giving college Sarah vibes. I just <laughs> have to say that, like she really like, distressingly close. Yes. To college days yes. because like you say like oh well wouldn't we all head off on a road trip with no destination no girl i would not you <laughs> possibly absolutely Me, with my franzia absolutely not but so like anyways i should have to say that i feel like you and maura would have vibed hard in college oh yeah i mean we we totally would have um and i think that's why like i kind of wanted to do this is because like i don't know it's one of those things right like when you when you die and you go to heaven, it's like, okay, here's the, to quote Patrick Hines, it's like, okay, here's like the clue to more, you know, here's yes. the, the ending to Maura Murray. We're find here's out the, what happened. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, See, so, I think that's why yeah. this case resonates with me because like, 
I think I said this in the last episode, like the sister connection in that, like, I mm-hmm. see so much of Mora in you. And like, not that like you're like a train wreck. Like, I think Mora like had some shit going on. And like, I'm not saying, but, but like, I don't know. It's just, she really and reminds me. And they're in you. Oh my God, girl. Wait, are you going to be the body Henry Stig? <laughs> Bitch, I Stop might it. be. That's not <laughs> Anyway. Okay. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So at 7.27 p.m. on February 9th, about three hours into Maura's trip, Faith Westman, a resident of Haverhill, New Hampshire, called police and stated that there had been an accident near her home and that a car was stuck in a ditch. The car, which was a black Saturn sedan, was up against a snowbank pointing west on the eastbound side of the road. So it's just like so scary. Like we just take a minute to be like, that's a scary accident. Terrifying. Imagine like, yeah. like oh terrifying. Um according to police logs, the car had impacted on a tree on the driver's side of the vehicle, severely damaging the left headlight and pushing the radiator into the into the fan, rendering it sure. inoperable. Okay. I don't know. Car, That's cars. a lot of car I stuff. Still <laughs> right in. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Super hot boyfriend, please tell me. That's correct. Tell us more. <laughs> um, the car's windshield had cracked on the driver's side. So shortly after Faith places her call, a bus driver named Butch Atwood. Hey, girl. He's here. Butch is here, guys. <laughs> A bus driver named Butch Atwood drove by in his bus and actually spoke with Mora. He offered her help and asked if she needed him to call the police. Mora declined both offers, stating that she had already called AAA. Seems responsible. But unfortunately, Butch knew that there was no cell reception in that area. Mm. So he drove home, which is reported to be about 100 yards from the accident site, parked his bus, went inside, and called the police. His 911 call was placed at 7.42 p.m., which is exactly 15 minutes after Faith's call, which was the original call about the accident. Mm -hmm. When police asked Butch if the driver, who we now know is Mora, seemed hurt, Butch actually told the police while she appeared shaken up and that the airbags in the car had deployed, he did not see any blood on the scene. Okay. Emily, any thoughts so far on this well, 911 call? I'm just thinking situation. 15 minutes. That's a long time for her to be sitting in this car. That's a long time, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, why were yeah. police already there after Faith's call? I was thinking about poli- that. So, by, so yeah. just to, like, jump ahead a little bit, by the time the first police officer responded to the scene at 7.46 p.m., uh-huh. Laura's already gone. So, 7.40, so 27.46, okay. I mean, so that's 17, 18 minutes. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. But that was only two minutes after Butch's call and a very solid 15 from well, Faith. But they could have already been in, in route. They could have been dispatched. Could have, yeah. You know what's so funny is I'm like, I'm having so much like 
hindsight is 2020 because <laughs> totally this, obviously guys i was in like a kind of bad car accident in between like <laughs> the last time we recorded and now um i'm obviously totally fine and like the other people involved Ooh. are totally fine but the cars are totally not fine <laughs> and like it was bad and like police had to be called and like ambulances and the whole nine yards airbags so, were deployed airbags were deployed uh, anyways so like I called 911 and it did, it took them about 10 minutes to arrive. And like, I mean, this was in like, I mean, it's not like I was in the middle of nowhere. Right. And, and like, I'm so, and I'm, so I'm also thinking because I found out later that one of the other drivers in the car had also called 911 after I already had. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking it's like, you know, the police could have been dispatched at Faith's call and then Butch calls them, but they're already on their way. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's fair. Yeah. Right. But so I don't know. I think 15 minutes is interesting. I don't think it didn't immediately say to me 15 minutes is a long time for the police. And again, I guess because of like my experience last week, I think 15 minutes is a long time for her to be sitting alone in the car after what is described as like a pretty serious accident. I mean, like for someone to report that both airbags were deployed, like, right. She hit a tree. (laughs) I mean, Her right. car wound up going like facing the opposite direction of which she was traveling. What I think is interesting is that she didn't try to call her dad. I mean, her in those her- fifteen minutes, yeah, right. I mean, we don't know. Like, there nothing has come out that she tried to call her dad, but yeah, yeah. But again, we believe that the family's not hiding anything, and I think her dad would have been more than forthcoming if he had received a phone call from her. Mm-hmm. That was like, you know. You just took – I just see – you took off half your – am I yelling? Am I talking too loud? Just how you no, take off half your headphones. I think I am. Oh. <laughs> Sarah's giving herself a headache. Okay. Continue. Okay. So by the time the first officer responded to the scene, again, it was 7.46 p.m., right? Mm-hmm. So we're looking at a good – a healthy 15 minutes time frame. Within that time, Mora, by the time the first police officer arrives, is gone. Mm-hmm. The officer who, who who actually arrived on the scene first, he noted that the car had been locked and there was a box of red wine behind the driver's seat. He also noted red stains on the ceiling of the car, the door of the car, and the ground around the car. And then he also noticed that a Coke bottle in the center console appeared to have a red liquid in it. The car again, was totally locked. So Mm. they had to actually like break into her car. Interesting. Okay. Curiously, there was also a rag stuffed in Maura's tailpipe. It's learned later that this was something that Frank, Maura's dad, or I'm sorry, Fred, Maura's dad, had actually advised her to do in order to avoid being ticketed by police for excessive smoke coming out of the tailpipe. So Fred, it seems like like you know as much about cars as I do. Fred, I have questions. Fred, explain this to me because this seems uh, – I think think this is just like bad advice. Like again, like I don't know. I I have no reason to believe the Mara family is lying about any of this. So it's like to me, it's like, girl, Fred, I have – I don't know. Like what what are you doing? Yeah. Like it seems like a minor detail but like it's always stuck out to me as like – that's weird yeah like no one has ever told me hey like to avoid a ticket just 
stick like a piece of cloth in your tailpipe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So upon further inspection of the car, according to police records, a AAA card issued to Mora was inside the car along with a blank accident report form, gloves, CDs, makeup, diamond jewelry, uh, driving instructions to Burlington, Vermont, Mora's favorite stuffed animal, Mm -hmm. and the book Not Without Peril which is about mountain climbing in the White Mountains. Maura's debit card, credit card, and cell phone are all missing from the car and have not been located or used since her disappearance. I don't think I realized that about her cards and her phone. That's interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think it's interesting. I mean, she had a AAA card in the car. Like, mm-hmm. my AAA card is my get-out-of-jail-free card. I know. Like, I, I have hang a fear, on to that I have thing. a theory about this, though. Tell me everything. Well, okay, I don't want to, like, spoil too much, but I think – well, no, I, I'll have to save it for the end. This is It's too much spoiling, but I have a theory about the AAA card. Okay. All right. Well, let me get through this little yeah, piece yeah, yeah. and then tell us more. So the officer who responded to the scene asked Butch Atwood, who was the bus driver, for assistance in locating Mora and suggested that Butch – Drive west of the accident scene and search some of the roads in a nearby neighborhood. Um, a state trooper who also happened to respond to the scene also searched some of the roads west of the accident site. Fire and EMS were called to the scene, but EMS ultimately left very shortly after arriving. There's no, like, confirmed explanation on why they left so soon, but it's believed that because there was no one at the scene to treat, there was no need for EMS to be there. So thanks, EMS, for your time, but see you later. All eight firefighters who arrived on scene did assist in the search. They searched the accident scene before proceeding west back to the firehouse. Hmm. It is unsure – to this day, if anyone searched east of the accident scene. Mm. The interaction between Mora and Butch Atwood is the last known sighting of Mora Murray to this day. <sighs> Since that time, there has been no trace of her and no activity on her cell phone or her bank accounts or credit card accounts. Mm. Emily, tell me what you think. Okay, this is going to play into some of my theories later. Okay. I think Mora was intoxicated. Yeah, I, I think agree. she was. I think she was under the influence. I think the red liquid, and I always thought this was so funny. They reported as like there's a mysterious red substance in the Coke it's bottle. Wine. I'm like, guys, it's fucking Franzia. <laughs> what is Franzia? Like, did, did y'all not ever go to college? What? <laughs> yeah. So to me, right? So she gets in the accident. The wine spills all over the car. Which I though I do think it's strange that like. The cops didn't open the car and go, oh, my God, it smells like cheap-ass wine Like a winery in here. I did think that was weird. And I actually saw reports one time that it was like, well, the responding officer was sober, so he wouldn't know the smell. I'm like, stop it, please. So, like, I do think that that's – Do you think that would be speculation, though? What, that the police would be speculating that she was mm-hmm. under the influence? Or that the car smelled like wine. Oh, I said that like, they couldn't prove it, so they had right. to just say, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So 
I think initially right now, what I'm willing to commit to is I think Maura was under the influence when she crashed her car. I agree. And I think we should all take a moment to think about what items she took with her. She took her credit card, a debit card, and her cell phone, right? Mm-hmm. To me, that is someone who left willingly mm-hmm. on their own accord. Yes. So I think, I mean, and maybe you'll change my mind later, but I have always thought Mora left the scene of that crash intoxicated and on her own free will. Yeah, so I'm I'm I tend to agree with you. I think she left Tipsy Max. I don't think she left tipsy totally Max. intoxicated. I think she was the Tipsy fuck Max. Is tipsy Max. What the fuck is that? All right. So Tipsy Max is, is that where you like right now? <laughs> No. Tipsy Max is where like you've had a couple and you're like mm-hmm. You're like right on the cusp of like, should I get behind the wheel? Should I not? Which, guys, the answer is always no. The answer is always no. Don't do that. You're going to get sued. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. But I think she was tipsy max behind the wheel. Okay. She got in her second car accident in the same number of days. Yeah. She was like, well, fuck me. Fuck me. My Franzia spilled all over my car. My Franzia is everywhere. Now, I also think it's curious. She didn't just (laughs) – she didn't take the box of with her. Well, you're going to carry just a box it. of wine? Like, she's already poured half of it into her Coke bottle. Well, but for, for what purpose? Because, again, here's, and again, maybe I'm spoiling it too much. I think she left the scene to hide. And she was like, oh shit, like, this guy's here. He's going to call the police. And I'm just going to, like, hide behind this tree and wait it out till they all leave, is what I think was her thought process. But I think she knew her car was inoperable. So I think she knew mm-hmm. she needed another. We're getting too far ahead, but like, yeah. I think she knew she needed another set of wheels. Hmm. That's mm. okay. I will maybe concede that point. We'll see. Okay. So, <clears throat> to that point, let's talk a little bit about the investigation. So, at 12 36 p.m. the following day, which would be February 10th, a be on the lookout report was issued for Mora's car and for Mora herself. Mora was reported as wearing a dark coat, jeans, and a black backpack. A voicemail was left on Fred Murray's home answering machine from the authorities mm. at 3.20 p.m. stating that Mora's car had been found abandoned. He was working out of state and did not seem to have received this call. So at 5 p.m., Maura's older sister, it's unclear which one, but I would, mm-hmm. if I had to guess, it was probably Julie. I think it was Julie. Yeah. Yeah. Maura's um, older sister, Julie, again, unclear, but we think it's Julie, contacted Fred and told him uh, about this, this situation. So Fred obviously gets concerned and contacted the Haverhill Police um, Department. Fred was told at that point by police that – if Mora was not reported safe by the following morning, which would have been February 11th, the New Hampshire Fish and Game Department would start mm. a search for her. Wait, so now, we're just leaving voicemails on people's phones? Hi. So that's my Hi, question. Sir. So sorry. Your daughter is missing. What are we doing? No. So that's my question. Like, what? So you're going to wait until two days after the fact to start a search? Right. Well, I mean, a lot of places are like – I mean – I mean, in things that she was an adult, like what's the, yeah, they had no evidence of foul play. They had no evidence that, you know, it sucks. I hate it. I would start looking for you in 2.5 seconds. 
Oh, thanks. Oh my gosh. If, if I rolled up in your car, was covered in your Franzia, <laughs> you'd be like, <laughs> guys, this is a case for the FBI. We gotta go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just give me a head start. Yes. I don't know. Anyway, so on February 11th, which, like, again, like, we're now two days out, or a healthy day and a half yeah. out, right? On February 11th, Fred arrives before dawn at the Haver, uh, Haverhill Police Department. At 8 a.m., New Hampshire Fish and Game, along with Morris family um, and a bunch of Good Samaritans, all begin to search for Mora. They search the entire area, right? A police dog ends up tracking uh, the scent from one of uh, Mora's gloves about 100 yards east from where the vehicle had been discovered, but then abruptly uh, loses her scent. Now, remember, the original search, Butch, the state trooper, and police Mm -hmm. only checked west. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, we have a scent dog who tracks her east. Just keep that in mind. That's interesting. Yeah. So the um, the police dog who tracked Mora's scent east, this suggested to police that Mora had left the area of her, the area of the accident in another car. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're tracking her, they're tracking her, they're tracking her, and all of a sudden, abruptly, like it just stops. Like the dogs are like, nope, that's it. Yeah. At around 5 p.m. the same day, Mora's boyfriend, uh, boyfriend, Billy, and his parents arrive in Haverhill. So boyfriend Billy was interrogated in private and then was joined by his parents for additional questioning. At 7 p.m., police said they believed Mora came to the area either to run away or attempt suicide. Mm. And her family to this day has adamantly said this is unlikely. Yeah. They didn't she didn't do that. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about Billy. Billy. <laughs> so a little side note about Billy. Billy says that he had turned his phone off during his flight to Haverhill. Remember, he was stationed at Fort Sill in Oklahoma at the time of Mora's disappearance. Billy reports that when he turned his phone back on, he had received a voicemail that he believes was Mora sobbing. Hmm. Police I've never heard that. Police traced the call to a calling card issued by the American Red Cross. It is unclear if this has ever been corroborated. I just thought it was a little interesting to throw in. What does in. Billy think about that? So Billy and his family, I mean, like, so so it has eventually been corroborated that, like, yes, this call originated from a calling card that was issued by the American Red Cross. How, huh. But, like, so there's a lot of questions there. Like, well, how would Mora have ever gotten a card issued by the Red Cross? Now right. – the Red Cross does assist in, like, emergency leave for the military. So, like, if someone in the military right. was to call up and be like, I need to leave immediately, the American Red Cross kind of steps in and they, like, give assistance. But how would Mora, like, have ever gotten an American Red Cross calling card? Yeah. Right? 
he left on the assumption that his girlfriend had gone missing. Hmm. Okay. All right. Interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. So on February 12th, with no leads in the case, Fred and Billy actually hold um, an evening press conference in Bethlehem, New Hampshire. At 3.05 p.m. the same day, the police reported that Mora might be headed to the, and God forgive me, but Canamagus Highway area? Camagus. Camagus. I don't know. Don't ask me. You're the one that can pronounce things. I can't. Cancamus? Guys, right in. I don't know. Help us. And she was listed as, quote, endangered and possibly suicidal. Mm. I mean, yeah. I I mean, (laughs) what else? What do you say? Yeah. The police report also stated that Mora was intoxicated at the crash site, even though our friend Butch Atwood had said she did not appear impaired to him. Was so she Butch Atwood Max? is like, but but Tipsy Max. Was she Tipsy Max? Was she Tipsy Max? I mean, I'm using that word for the rest of forever. I can't. I can't believe you've never heard me say that, Sarah. I have two kids and a mortgage. I'm no one's. No one around here is Tipsy Max ever. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, except, except when we go to On the Border with Mike and Beth, and your listen. girl has a margarita and a half. Okay. I mean, you had close to two. They pour them strong at all. <laughs> you guys, guys. Side note: the best thing is to watch Emily slowly get tipsy, Max, because like her little tiny chipmunk cheeks, Just, cheeks get all like pink. I sweat when I drink. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, it's the best thing. If you've never seen it, highly recommend. Okay. Anyway, so yeah. Um, <laughs> The police official police report states that Mora was intoxicated at the crash site. Correct. Again, even though Butch Atwood was like, no, girl, she was totally fine. She was not impaired. The Haver, uh, Haverhill police chief also says, quote, our concern is that she's upset or suicidal, which to me is just like, yikes. Like, that is a huge leap but to make no, i think see i don't i think it's interesting that you are think that's weird this was a by all accounts like perfectly healthy girl who gets into a car crash and then they can't find her yes she is either endangered or suicide you know what i mean like i totally get that that's their immediate suicidal right off the bat like that to what? me says don't look for her because like this is totally <sighs> on her own accord uh, no, no. That just seems very short-sighted to me. <sighs> Call her endangered. And maybe yeah. the, maybe at the time they didn't have that language. I don't know. But like, yeah, I see what you're saying though, but calling her like, well, she's just upset is like maybe a little like diminishing of like what could yeah. be going on here. But here again, I stand by the fact that I think they had every right to think she may have been suicidal. Homegirl was going through some stuff. And uh, I don't know. I think that's a dangerous word to play with as why? a police officer. It, but it activates a re- like a certain because like you know if if like if you called the police right now and said I think Joe Blow down the street is suicidal, they would go and find him because 
right? You're a danger to yourself. You're potentially a danger to other people. Like, I don't think that that's like a cue for them to not look for you. I don't know. Okay. I think it kind of is. I wouldn't. Yes, you would. If you got a call that said, Sarah, we think Emily is out there somewhere. She's upset. She may be suicidal. You wouldn't go look for me? Yes, you would. I would because you're my sister. But if I heard that about a stranger, I'd be like, God, I hope she doesn't knock on my door. That would scare the living poop out of me. I'm serious. I mean, okay. Wow. I'm not calling you if I'm on you. God. Guys. Well, you're different. Y'all. Anyone else. Forget it. I I feel like it is our legal obligation right now to be like, guys, if you're having a hard time, please call the suicide hotline. If you're having a hard time, please call. Oh my yes. God. I'm putting the, Sarah, I'm putting the hotline number I'm in your show notes. The only reason I'm saying that is like to put that out in a police statement just feels very, uh, to me, I don't like that. If I was Maura's family, I wouldn't like that. I mean, if it I, was you, I wouldn't like that. I think because, but I think only because there's so much stigma around suicide and mental health. And yes, and maybe at that time they didn't have the right yeah. tools. And I'm totally willing to give them that. But like, yikes! Yikes on bikes. Yeah. So, <clears throat> a week after Mora's disappearance, Fred and the boyfriend Billy were interviewed by CNN's American Morning. It's at this time that Morris family also expanded their search into Vermont, which is interesting because they learned once they went into Vermont that authorities there had not been informed of Morris' disappearance. (sighs) Yikes. Mm. Although missing persons uh, cases are typically handled by local and state police, the FBI actually gets involved. So they join the investigation about 10 days after Mora disappears, which in my opinion is actually pretty quick. Like, good for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, they get right to work. The FBI interviewed Mora's entire family from Massachusetts and the Haverhill um, like police department um, conducted an additional search by – which was kind of headed by – the New Hampshire Fish and Game Department, where they actually ended up using a helicopter with thermal imaging cameras, um, tracking dogs, and cadaver dogs. So this was like a much bigger search. So like all of a sudden the FBI gets involved and everyone's like, oh, like, oh, like better strap up, you know? <laughs> a ripped pair of underwear found by Moore's older sister during the search um, was discovered, but DNA tests found that the underwear did not belong to Mora. So Mora okay, didn't figure out who it did. Oh my God. Like who did it belong horrible. to? Oh my God. You know, there's like all those stories where they're like remains were found, but tested and weren't the victim. And I'm like, Henry digging up bones. Can we find out who they belong to? Hen- is like, Henry going to be a, like, what are those paleontologists? Is that- Henry love. Okay. Henry loves paleontologists. We we have a book specifically about paleontologists. Don't even get him started. He loves it. Probably yes. Anyways. Um, Well, that's really horrible for Maura's older sister. Like, what a horrible thing to find. Could you imagine? So, like, you're searching for me and all of a sudden you're like, uh. Lose my goddamn mind. 
These are Sarah's underwear. Like, would you, I don't. Would you even be like? I think these are Sarah's. I don't. It depends on what kind of underwear. <laughs> don't. I wouldn't do you dirty if it like wasn't cute underwear. I'd be like, I think these are Sarah's. Great. <laughs> Mental note, listener: If you go missing, make sure you have cute underwear on. That's- yeah, I wouldn't embarrass you like that. I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> No, I'm flabbergasted. So you know, okay. Well, now you. we know. I got your back, girl. So all of this is really like turning up nothing, right? So at the end of February, the police returned the items found in Mora's car to her family. That seems on, quick, which seems really quick in my yeah. opinion, right? Yeah. So then on March 2nd, the family checked out of their motel, exhausted their search, and headed home. Mm. Fred Murray returned every single weekend to continue searching for his daughter. I can't. I cannot. In April of the same year, Haverhill police informed him of complaints about trespassing on private property. So the police were like, listen, Fred – we see you, we hear you, but you're trespassing on private property and we really need you to stop. You know what? I wouldn't give a flying fuck. Right? I'd be like, good, arrest me. What fuck? Like, yeah. And like, I, imagine having to be that police officer that's like, hey, sir. I know. Well, but isn't there, I mean, there's some contention between the, the Haverhill police. And there are the more the more I want to call them the Mora family the Mora the, family the, the Murray family, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Which it's like, guys, can we be nice to these poor people? Like, I can't even fathom what that must have felt like in March to have to drive away from that city, and yeah, like I just cannot even fathom that. Well, I and imagine, know. I mean, like, well, and I think this goes back to our earlier point, right? Like, your Mora's dad. And you're like, she's not suicidal. Yeah. She had her whole life ahead of her. She's a college student. Like, what are you talking about? She's not suicidal. Yeah. And you're the police and you're like, mm, but like, I think she kind of is. God, I know. It's awful. It's awful. Like, how do you, you know what I mean? Mm. So March of 2024, um, there's actually another disappearance of another young woman very similar circumstances to Mora. This actually happens 66 miles away from Mora's last sighting, but it's worth kind of noting it did happen in Vermont. It was in Montgomery, mm-hmm. Vermont. Um, her name was Brianna Matefield, uh, Maitland. Maitland. Yeah. I, this case is really interesting. We should cover it sometime. Yeah. yeah. So she, she went missing only 66 miles from Mora's last sighting in Woodsville. Which, you know, drew comparisons from media and law enforcement due to the similarities in their disappearance. Right. But state police were never able to link the two cases. So mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting thing to include. I think it's important. But ultimately, police were never able to link yeah, I mean, the two together. Yeah. But it's, the cases are very similar. It happened – not that far away from I mean 66 miles it's not that far away if you think about it so let's move on to the spring and summer of 2024 
In April and again in June, New Hampshire and Vermont police dismissed any connection between Moore's case and Brianna Maitland's case. In a press release, they actually stated they believe that Mora, quote, was headed for an unknown destination and may have accepted a ride in order mm. to continue to that location, adding that they had discovered no evidence that a crime had been committed. Yeah. They dismissed the possibility that a serial killer had been involved. Now, How? How, How did they do that? <laughs> I don't know. But if you've ever read up on this case, you will find that they have tried to link every possible serial killer within a bajillion miles to this case. They tried to they tried to say that um Israel Keys was involved. He wasn't. Uh, Israel they think they think Israel Keys killed everybody. <laughs> he do. Well, he had killed kids everywhere. So yeah, I guess I, that's fair. That asshole. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. He sucks. We're not talking yeah. about him. Yeah. So what happened? Tamora. There have been an infinite amount of theories that have come out since Mora disappeared. This case, again, is cited as the first crime mystery of the social media age and has generated speculation from the media and public almost from minute one. In a Boston Magazine article from 2014, our friend Bill Jensen notes. Really? <laughs> Quote. Sorry. <laughs> now, at least online, it often seems as there's no such thing as a cold case. But when Mora mm. disappeared, the social web was in its infancy. There was yeah. no YouTube and there was no Twitter. On the day Mora went missing, Facebook was five days old. And so you can read the history of her case as a parable about the evolution of online sleuthing. So my favorite little online sleuths, let's go through a few yeah. theories that have come out over the years. And Sarah, I have a theory at the end that you don't have on this list. And <gasps> I'm ready. I prepped some notes. Prepped some notes and I'm going to give so it to you. you read my notes ahead. I did. I got too excited. I'm sorry. Wow. Okay. Well, I thought I was bringing you new news. Okay. <laughs> so theory one. Ooh. And this one, I got to tell you, the A-frame house. Guys, we are here. We've made it. The A-frame house. Okay. So the A-frame house. In late 2004, a man, we're going to call him Bob. He's never actually in anything that I read. And now, mind you, like went down several rabbit holes. He's I never actually identified we're going to call him Bob. So a man named Bob, <laughs> hey Bob, allegedly gave Fred, remember who is Mora's dad, a rusty stained knife that belonged to his brother. We're going to call him Ernie. <laughs> who had a criminal past and lived less than a mile from where Mora's car was discovered. It's reported that Ernie and his girlfriend are reported to have acted strangely after Mora's disappearance. And Bob, who gave the knife to Fred, claimed that he believed the knife had been used to kill Mora. What? He just, Ooh, okay. I have thoughts. Okay. Continue. I'm, mm, <laughs> Several days after the knife was given to Fred, Ernie, allegedly, scraps his Volvo. So he, he had a Volvo. Oh, Ernie, interesting. the brother who used the knife reportedly to kill Mora, scraps his Volvo. 
family members of Bob claim that he made the story up in order to obtain the reward money in the investigation. And also, our friend Bob had a little bit of a drug habit. So maybe not the most uh, reliable narrator, but let's fast forward to October of 2006. Volunteers led a two-day search within a few miles of where Mora's car was found. Specifically, they were searching the closet of an A-frame house, approximately one mile from the crash site, where cadaver dogs began, quote, going crazy after possibly identifying the presence of human remains. The A-frame house had formerly been the residence of our friend Ernie. Oh, I got like the heebie-jeebies. A sample of carpet was pulled from the house and tested by New Hampshire State Police, but the results of that test were never released to the public. Okay. So that's theory number one. You want to go to theory number two? Yes. Okay. So theory number two is the tandem driver theory. Oh, James. Hey, buddy. <laughs> James. Listen. James we know that James is very in tune mm. to anything that comes out on this case. So James, I am giving you right now before I go into any type of theory, a very <laughs> open invitation to give us a call, <gasps> write us an email, yeah, reach out to us, tell us what we missed, James, tell us what we didn't cover. Come on, come on the show, girl. We'll give you we'll give you time on the show. We would love to chat with you. I like give us your time. Because we have questions, and I think maybe you have some answers. James Renner. And I guess – I feel like everyone knows who James Renner is. But I guess for those who don't know, he's a very famous podcaster, author, true crime aficionado. And very well known for this case. He made his name in the Maura Murray world for sure. So, hey, yeah. girl. <laughs> so, the tandem driver theory. Theory number two. So, this theory comes from – Ohio-based writer James Runner, who wrote a book on Maura's disappearance called True Crime Addict, How I Lost Myself in the Mysterious Disappearance of Maura Murray. Now, admittedly, James, girl, you are obsessed with this case. He is. We're here for it. Um, but there's a lot of conversation around the legitimacy of some of the claims that Renner included in his book. However, James did pontificate in his book that Mora traveled um, into New Hampshire with a tandem driver and may have disappeared willingly to start a new life elsewhere. James pon- uh, thinks that once Mora crashed her car, she hopped in the tandem car and drove off into the sunset. Mm. Renner alleges that Mora's boyfriend, Bill, was abusive towards her, and he believed that when Mora discovered that she was pregnant with Billy's child, she hatched a plan to run away to Canada and start a brand new life. James believes that Mora (laughs) used an underground secret system of women to initiate this getaway 
Okay. But there's a little, there's some holes in this theory. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. There's James. never been a credible sighting of Mora in Canada. Yeah. She never once touched her bank accounts or reached out to any family. This theory to me seems unlikely. With this being such a well known case, someone would have seen her at this point. There's, we just could not get to 2024 and I know have nothing. So, James. I appreciate you. Again, reach out. I mean, that's very genuine. We would love to have him on the show. Truly. We would. You know, give us a call. So that brings me to my theory. Oh, this is your – this is what you think happened. Okay. No, I'm going to take that. I'm going to walk that back. I'm not going to say it's my theory, but I think it's important to include in the theory Wait, I'm kind of like on the edge of my seat about this. Okay. Okay. Speaking of Billy, who was Maura's boyfriend at the time she disappeared. Right. Billy – I'm going to stop you and say all of the alleged don't sue us. Alleged. Yes. This is all like (laughs) – Yeah. (laughs) This is all alleged. This is – none of this – you guys, Maura is still missing unknown to this day. Like, spoiler. All of this is alleged. But speaking of Billy, Billy has always – adamantly denied any involvement in Mora's disappearance. As you'll remember, Billy was stationed at Fort Sill, Oklahoma on the night that Mora went missing. He was granted leave to search for Mora after she went missing. At the risk of being deemed AWOL, Bill returned to Fort Sill once his leave was up. However, there are a lot of people who will point to the fact that he really wasn't there that long. He was there for like three or four days. Now, we have family in the mil- – we understand the military well enough to know that like that kind of tracks leave isn't generally like a long period yeah, of time. That seems fine to that me. That kind of makes sense to yeah. me. Right? Okay. However, our friend James, remember – he claimed that Bill was like abusive towards Mora. Yeah, James hates yeah. Bill. Yeah. Well, James reported that multiple women who ended up reading his blog um, and listening to his podcast on this case have contacted him to describe Bill as, quote, erotic and, quote, at times. Wait, wait. Erotic or erotic? Oh, I'm sorry. Erratic. Did I say erotic? I don't know, Bill. Maybe you're freaky, but you're also quite Bill? inconsistent Call and <laughs> at times violent. So <laughs> dead. I'm leaving this in there. By the way, I'm not taking this out. So, Bill, girl, Lord, Bill, could tell, you tell us more? For the love of God. So this guy is so complicated. Okay. So yes, he is. He's, I'm never, I'm never gonna let you live that down. He's been quoted, or he's been described by other people as erratic and at times violent. I like that you're repeating oh. that. Like you think I'm gonna cut out the part where you called him erratic, and I'm not. So. Well, just in case. <laughs> so following Mora's disappearance, according to Bill's own blog, and you can go out. I've cited it in my sources. You can go out and read it. Bill dedicated his professional career to serving his country in the military. 
in both the mm-hmm. private and nonprofit sectors. He is the former executive director of Got Your Six, um, which oh, I love that. What a catchy little name! I know, right? That's cute. Um, and he oversaw efforts to shift the public's perception of veterans as broken heroes to one of veterans and civic assets. Wait, I kind of love this. Okay, me too. So under his leadership, Got Your Six received the Social Good Award for Best Awareness Campaign of 2016. That's nice. Bill has been a prominent advocate for veterans. That's been kind of his, like, MO since he, you know, got out of the military kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, his military service, speaking of which, includes deployments to the Middle East and Africa in support of counterinsurgency and counterterrorism operations. Wow. He currently lives in D.C. with his family. Hey. And in 2019, Bill was indicted on one count of felony third-degree sexual abuse for Ooh. alleged an alleged after-hours attack on a subordinate female employee oh in the downtown God. D.C. building office. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, this is bad, guys. That's so uh, I'm gonna give like a mini trigger warning. Oh this my is this God. is terrible. Um, I yeah, it's it's bad. According to the victim, after a St. Patrick's Day happy hour in 2011, she returned to her office building to grab her jacket. Bill, who was still in the office, indicated that he wanted to speak with her in his office. So when she went in his office, Bill asked her if she remembered the day she came into the office after having been pushed down the metro escalator what? at McPherson Square. The victim did, in fact, remember this incident, as anyone would. What the I mean, fuck? Yeah. how do you not remember like falling down the McPherson oh Square? Oh my god, that's a huge yeah. elevator. I'm, I'm sorry, escalator. That's a huge uh, escalator. Yeah. The victim was shoved Jesus. down the long metro escalator on her way to work. Another person broke her fall. And when she looked up to see kind of like what happened, she saw Bill rounding the corner. What the, the fuck? The escalator. She initially asked Bill about this right after the incident, and he denied it. Now, what? though, in the confines of his private office, he came clean. He was the one who pushed her down the escalator. What the fuck? Following this conversation in his office, Bill proceeded to grab the victim's shoulders, turn her around, force her head down onto the conference table. The victim alleges that she struggled and called out to another coworker who happened to be looking for her in the same office. Bill looked at the victim and said, this never fucking happened. Oy. The victim came forward to police in 2017 after she learned that Bill was tangentially connected to the Maura Murray case. Bill's arraignment in D.C. Superior Court was held April 17, 2019. I know this feels like a story totally out of left field, but I think it does lend credence to the idea. Mm-hmm. Maybe Bill is – maybe he is abusive. Um Ultimately, it mm. may give more credibility to James' initial theory that Mora went willingly. So, mm. those are the theories. You have an additional theory. So, I have an additional one. To this day, Mora Murray has never been found. 
Mm. There's no action yeah. on her credit cards. There's no action on her bank card. And there's no action on her cell phone. She is still a missing person. Yeah. And that's really kind of it. So, Emily, I want you to tell me your theory and I want you to take a side. Okay. Let me take let me take a side on your three theories and I'll tell you my, what I think happened. Perfect. Um, theory number one, A-frame house. This is compelling, um, though I have a lot of questions for the brother. Like A lot of questions. Bob, what is how You just gave a knife to someone's dad? What is happening? So – I think it's interesting. I think this the brother Ernie sounds sketchy as hell. I don't know what is happening in this A-frame house. I will say though, like you know, dogs hitting on the scent of a dead body in a house. Like guys, I hate it, but like people die in houses all the time. Like I'm sorry, I don't want to be like morbid, but like so to me, I'm like mm. it's not reliable. No, and this like idea of like a carpet sample was tested by the police, but we don't. If it was Mora's blood they would have released it. We would have known, like, so to me, that means it wasn't. So I'm going to say no on the A-frame house, but I hope someone's keeping an eye on Ernie because I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, tandem driver theory, James Renner, love you, respect you, appreciate what you're doing out there. This did not happen. Um, there's no indication Mora li- willingly got up and left. Mora was very close to her sister. She was very close to her father by all accounts. If she was being abused by him, I think she would have like reached out for help. She had a really strong family support system. And that's not to say people who have strong support systems can't be abused. Of course they can. Sure. But that this would be the answer, <clears throat> that she would just go and start a new life like and do this to her sisters and her father. You know, her mother passed away a few years mm-hmm. after she disappeared and – I know the family like initially had like, oh my God, maybe if she really did run she'll away, come like, back. she'll call us. She'll, and yeah. she, not a word. And like, no. Yeah. I, like, you. no, I, you know, she had no money. She had no means to do this. I think it's a beautiful thought that she is somewhere in Canada with her baby, like living, but she's not. And I'm really sorry, but like, she's not. Um, so, well, and like, I don't know if I included this, but they found birth control pills in her car. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. The whole like pregnant with a baby thing. I totally dismiss. Yeah. Um, this idea of Billy, the boyfriend, you know, does he sound like a scumbag? Yeah. I yeah. mean, that doesn't sound great, Billy. I don't know what you're up to. Billy. Um, but Again, I there's nothing – I mean, he wasn't in New Hampshire when this happened, right? So right. it's like – and I've read something that's online. It's like, well, then he got there to search for her and he found her and he killed her. And it's like, what? Are you, no, what are you talking about? Like, so to me, it's like you can't have a better alibi than being like halfway across the country when this happened. Like, right? did they have a great relationship? I don't know. We don't know that. Yeah. Um, you know, hard to say. He's clearly like up to some not good stuff in his adult life. And I have real questions about this escalator thing. Like, what is what was the purpose of that, Billy? What are you what are you doing? Allegedly, I guess. Does he does he deny that he pushed this woman down the escalator? You know what's funny is like, so I tried to I went down like a whole Billy rabbit hole, really and you did. totally called you have me more out. Notes in here about Billy. <laughs> you totally called me out last week for being like, oh, you hate this guy, and you like hate this guy. I can tell. But I could not find Emily a single. Now, granted. If he was going to trial in April of 2019, it's entirely possible it got 
pushed back and pushed back to 2020. COVID. And now we're looking at pandemic and like who knows? Like who knows what happened with it? I could not find a single thing. Hmm. Okay. Well. About what happened after the grand jury. Then I guess I'll say ale- when he allegedly pushed her down the escalator. Like I don't know. This allegedly. weird. So I dismiss this as well. He has an alibi. He wasn't there. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think about the American Red Cross calling card and the fucking, voicemail that's and all fucking that? Fucking weird. That's fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, now the American Red Cross, like when you go on leave like that, they do give you, as the person going on leave, emergency leave, they give you a certain amount of calling cards. But how would Mora have gotten access to that? How would Mora have ever gotten them? I don't know. Unless her sister gave them. But again, like, I feel like her sister at that point would have been like, oh my God, yeah, one time I did give her calling cards. And But plus, why would she have ever needed them well, ahead of this she, incident? She wouldn't have needed one. She had a cell phone. Right. Right. I don't know. It's fucking weird and creepy. I don't like it. I don't like it. That's for sure. I don't like it's it. It's weird. Mm-hmm. So all of those, I'm a no on all of those. Okay. Here's my theory. I mean... Like, Give me that. I'm I'm I am i am on the edge of my seat. Ready for this? Because you love okay. the A-frame house theory. I love it because I think it's fascinating. And again, guys, someone please go check on Ernie. I don't know what is happening there. Um, but no. Here's what I think happened. So, and this is this is um this first part is fact. Okay. At 12:20 a.m. on Friday, February 6th, 2024. Before she disappeared. Before she disappeared, Amherst police found college student Patrick Vassy on the side of the road at the intersection of Triangle and Madoon Streets in Amherst. He was horribly injured. He had been struck by a car and was left in what police describe as a state of comatose on the side of the road. He was um, he was a UMass student at Amherst, right? This happened kind of like right off the, the campus of the college. He was in a coma for a month and to this day has no recollection of the evening. It, now, it was a, just to back up to our first episode on yes, this case, this yes. would line up with when Maura got in the accident in her dad's car, correct? No. This lines up with the night Maura got a phone, that phone call from her sister. And she left work devastatingly <sighs> upset. Now, remember what was weird about that? Remember, and we even talked about this, that it was a couple hours between when she got the phone call and, and the, when the, she went home. And when she went home. Yes. Remember when like the professor or whoever, her supervisor her escorted supervisor her Her supervisor walked home. her home. Again, the nocturnal activities. Can we please not? I'm too tired for any of it. Okay. So- mm-hmm. In that couple hour time period, Patrick Vassy is hit by a car and left literally for dead on the side of the road. I think, again, this is so, so that is true. That is that happened. And Patrick Vassy is, as far as we know, alive and well today. He recovered, yada, yada. What I think happened is Mora left her little desk her little shift she's horribly upset something about her sister upset her and she's driving in her car maybe she's going to get something to eat maybe she's just trying to clear her head she's upset she's crying for all we know she's drinking and she hits Patrick Vassy. she realizes he is grievously injured 
right? And is like, well, fuck me. Mm -hmm. She returns to her job, her post at the dorm room. The supervisor comes and she's – remember the supervisor described her as like inconsolable. Like, Mm -hmm. right? And we were talking – we're like, that seems like a big reaction for like a bad phone call from your sister. I think she hit him with her car, right? I think she called her dad and she was like, dad? (laughs) Dad? I'm too fat for anyone to walk me home except I think I hit a person. (laughs) Right. And her dad says, don't worry about it. I'm going to come up this weekend. We're going to get you a new car. Right. Remember? Because remember, he was just going to he was gonna get her a new car. No big deal. Didn't get her a new car. Her car wasn't working great. Blah, blah, blah. And she's also stuffing cloths into her <laughs> tailpipe. Yeah, clearly this car wasn't great. Right. This car wasn't great. I think her dad was like, lay low, hang tight. I'm going to come up there. I'm going to, we're going to fix this. And I'm going to help you fix this. We're going to figure it out. And again, I'm, this is all alleged speculation. Speculation. We're speculating wildly. You know, maybe her dad didn't know. Maybe he. Maybe it was a coincidence he was coming up to buy her a new car that weekend. I don't know. So her dad comes up. She gets in that second now second car accident in her dad's car that night. Right? Remember? She mm-hmm. almost totals her dad's car. Mm-hmm. So by this point, she has gotten in two car accidents in, what, two, three days. Mm-hmm. So she's like, well, fuck me. Like, I got to get out of here, right? Or maybe so she's, she's even back behind the wheel. Well, or maybe she's even thinking, like, things are going to heat up in this Patreet Vassy Kate. Like, they're going to be looking for me. Like, right? Because at this point, he's in a coma. Like, he could die. I mean, that's serious. That's big, yeah. And she's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. She tells her professors, there's a death in the family. I got to go. I don't know what she's telling her family at this point. Like, again, like, I see a world in which they knew and that they didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, I see both. She gets in the car. She's drinking. She's driving. And she gets in her third car accident in a matter of three, four days. Mm -hmm. She is like, fuck me. Butch Atwood arrives. And she's trying to get rid of him. I called your mm-hmm. play. It's fine. I called your play. Yeah. But she she knows. She knows mm-hmm. he's going to call the police. She knows. Mm-hmm. She's like, I get the fuck out of here. She takes her cards, her cell phone. She leaves the car. And I think, and this is, I know this is like the most unsettled. This is like. Because her name would be on her credit cards. Yeah. And so she takes, she's like, I get the fuck out of here. Like, I can't be seen here. Right. And I think, I think she died in the woods. I think people vastly underestimate the effect of exposure. It was cold. It was, it was dark. Cold, it was snowy. Was drunk. You know what I mean? And Ooh. I think she probably it, ooh, like went to hide or went to, you know, like, okay, I'm going to kind of hide out here. I'll figure out in the morning. And I think she died. I think she died from exposure. And I just think that they haven't found her remains. And like, I know that that's like super just like, ugh, right? Like, that's just so like unsexy in a way, you know, but yeah. like, I think people underestimate people's abilities to be lost forever in this kind of like wilderness, you know, I mean, I've said it before on this show, like, you know, they're like, well, they brought out cadaver dogs. I don't, I, you know, I love a good pupper. I love dog. Do. I, don't, I don't, I don't really buy into the whole dog thing for any cases. Like I, because you, you don't know what the dog's telling you. The dog mm-hmm. is, is barking. The dog right. could be, want a hot dog. I don't know. Like, right. so that is my theory. Hmm. It's compelling. 
It's compelling. It's a lot of speculation, but it's compelling. It is all speculation, alleged <laughs> all of it. I know. I think it's I think the I think the Patrick, is that what you called him? Patrick. Patrick. I think that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Here, so do you want to hear a really interesting tidbit that I didn't mention because like I can't like it hasn't been proven? Yeah. They of found they, That's what this podcast is I for. Know, I know. They found paint chips on his body that uh-huh. match the emblem on Saturn's. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. I find it very interesting. And I didn't read that in any of the research I did. So Yeah. That is interesting. I would definitely include that as a theory. Okay. I think there's a lot of speculation on the back end of it. A lot of pieces have to. There's a lot of pieces that have to go into that. So here's, here's the side I'm coming down on. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. Minus the treat part of it. Okay. I'm so. (sighs) We're, we've seen an escalation of destructive behavior from yes. Laura. Yes. Started at West Point. Something happened while she was at West Point. Yep. Some downhill something happened. Yeah. So her pattern starts there. Then she goes to UMass. Then she gets in trouble at UMass. Now, it could just be I've been a perfectionist my whole life. I need to break out of this mold. I need to do me, live my wild life. Who knows? She continues to go downhill. She's escalating. Yeah. She gets in an accident and her, her, she gets a distressing phone call from her sister. Yeah. Her dad comes into town. She wants to blow off a little bit of steam. Yep. They probably discussed her sister at dinner when she saw her dad. Yeah. She gets in a drunk driving accident on her way back to the hotel. Yeah. She's totaled her dad's car. She's sitting around. Her dad pieces out of town and is basically like, bye, Felicia. We'll figure this out. Like, bye. I'm out of here. Gets out of town. She's ruminating on all of this. She decides, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I can't do this anymore. I'm out. It's a snow day. No one's going to miss me for a couple days. Like, I'm just going to get out of town. She hits the road. She has a little road soda on her way out of town. Tipsy Max. Isn't aware that the roads are really fucking shitty. Mm Mm-hmm. Crashes her car and is like, oh, fuck. I'm going to get a DUI. Yep. Yep. I think she got out of the car. She yep. took any identifying pieces of information with her. I don't think she realized her AAA card was in her name. Mm-hmm. I think she had a conversation with Butch. She put on her, like, I have to talk to normal people face. Yep. She got through it and she got the fuck out of there. Yep. I think she got as far as the dog's tractor. I think somebody picked her up. Hmm. I think she hitchhiked. I think she went to the A-frame house. (gasps) Oh, no. And I think shit went downhill from there. (gasps) Oh. 
I the the A frame house theory really? kind of where yeah because so this guy comes out of the fucking woodwork and is like hey now and this is where like I kind of blame law enforcement like did you test the knife was yeah. It- what is going on with this? This was 2004. Like you could yeah. have tested that knife and like I don't I mean I don't know. I don't know what DNA was like then, but like you could have tested that knife to be like yes, yes. this was used in in a murder or no it wasn't. Yes. Whether or not he wanted the reward money, I mean who knows? Like that's all speculation. Like did this guy have a drug habit? I don't know. Yeah. Bob write in and tell us. I'm pretty sure you're dead at this point, but if you're not, write in and tell us. Yeah. I mean, I think that's compelling. And then all of a sudden, two years later, dogs are like, um, hi, by the way, like Moore's remains are here. Do I think dogs are reliable? (laughs) Not really. I feel about the dogs. I know. But like, I think it's compelling. Yeah. Right. Like there's remains in that. So whose remains are they? Should we ask Henry? Have we looked? (laughs) Henry, could you get out there to the A-frame house, please? My guy, we need you out there, buddy, with your stick. (laughs) I think it's compelling that this like obvious creep lived so close to the accident site. And that like he had a known criminal background. Like that yeah. makes the most like what's that Oxum razor? Like if Ox- whatever Occam's makes the most Occam's razor. Whatever yes. makes the most sense yes. like, is probably what happened. Like and I to think me that, that's that makes the, the most sense. More the Mora family. The Murray family believes right they are kind of a frame house people so fred does not believe that mora is still alive fred i know yeah steadfastly believes that his daughter is dead now he has never um filed her what is the what's the term he's never declared declared her her legally declared her deceased Mm -hmm. um but fred has come out in multiple interviews and said my daughter is not still alive god it's fucking horrible oh my god I just like I, it's like we talked about in like the um when Vandersloot came out, you yeah, know, it's Holloway. like yeah, justice, like that's just you know. I know. I don't think at this point like there is a satisfying ending to this story. See, and it's so funny because like for the Natalie Holloway case, I was so team like it's better to not know because now her parents just have to know she had this horror. But now was in the I think of the Murray family, and I'm like, it's oh my totally god, totally changed. Yeah, they don't know, and it's fucking horrible. Oh my god, I know. Yeah, Oof. but that's where that's what I think. Sisters take a side. Side on Maura Murray. We tackled Maura Murray. I mean, I know. High five. High next, five. To next us. up, Adnan Syed. <laughs> I think we need to do sisters take a side after dark more often, my friend. <laughs> you fucking killed it. Well, it helps that like I have this written out like way ahead I know. of time. I know. I'm sorry. No, don't thank, be. Thank you guys and thank the listeners for your patience as we kind of switch yeah. to this every other week because, guys, I need to take, I need to sleep some. Basically, Emily's like hot shit at her job. Oh, please. Okay, and now now all my friends from Martha that are listening to this are laughing their asses off. Emily's like, a big deal and she's throwing this huge event and she is going to absolutely crush it. I'll tell you no, Emily's not a big deal because she's the one that's throwing That is not true. And we are all supporting her and cheering her on and we know that she's going to do an incredible job. Yeah, man. 
And then one day this podcast is going to pay my bills and I won't have to do this for work anymore. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> crossed. Um, you crushed it today. This oh gosh, was awesome. Thank you. This was so fun. I yeah. we went on like way too long. Sorry, guys, if you like our hour long episodes. I know some of you probably like love this longer one though. So I do have a listener question. We can do it maybe quick because I know we're like tight on time. Sure. But I just want to do this. So a wonderful listener, Lindsay, reached out to us and sent us just like the world's nicest email. Um, Lindsay is starting her own podcast <laughs> and I know. And she asked us, one of the questions she asked us was any other, any advice um, that she should or she or others should be looking out for when starting a podcast? And I, I wrote her back. So I want, so you, Sarah, what do you, any advice for those starting out on their podcast journey? Um, yes, really, really, really love your topic because whatever mm-hmm. you're doing your podcast on, like your dedication and passion and like interest in your topic is what is going to carry you on. There have been, I can't even tell you how many times Emily and I are like, we love our pod baby. Don't get us wrong. Love her. There have been times where we're like, uh, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot because, because when you love something and you want to do it correctly, there is work that's involved in it. You have yes. to get the topic correct. You have to get your facts straight. You have to research it. You have to yes. go down rabbit holes. You have to spend time on it. And if it's and something you that you're kind of like the episode, well, like the fucking Christ. Yes. I'm just a talent here. <laughs> yes. She's <laughs> a pretty face. I'm at least the brain. But oh like God. you have to love and be passionate mm-hmm. about what you're podcasting about. Because if you're not, like, it will not sustain itself. And so that would be my biggest piece of advice. Like, podcast about something that you – it doesn't even matter what – if you're you're passionate about worms that feed your garden, like, podcast about it. I mean, yeah, you could. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, like, yes, yes. I think you're spot on. Be passionate about what you're talking about because that is going to make the world a difference. Okay, girl. Uh, You know, I was thinking like, and I wrote a couple things back to her, but another thing I was thinking about was we often, when people write in, they say things so often like, I just, I love you too. And like, I love your banter. And like, Mm -hmm. I love that you're sisters and that you, you know, you're, (laughs) and then it kind of like clarified for me. I think this was over the weekend dad mm-hmm. dad was salty that we didn't oh, put out yeah. an episode last week mm-hmm. um and we're like yeah i know we're just like so much going on blah, blah. and dad wrote sarah and i this like really nice text that was like people don't tune in to sisters take a side to hear about true crime they tune in to hear sarah and emily and it was just this moment to me of like i think that's my that that's kind of like encompasses my advice is that like it doesn't matter what you're talking about. Yeah. What you bring to the table is yourself. You yep. know, like, and I Your think personality. Yeah. And like dad put it so concisely, like he, I did. Think he said, he was like, I could listen to a hundred different people talk about Scott Peterson, but I want to listen to you two talk about Scott Peterson, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's like, so I think that's my advice. Like, remember that like you bring something to the table no one else can even if your topic even i mean we're covering maura murray probably the most covered true crime case in the podcast world but like i'd like to think you guys got something different out of it because it was sarah and i and she called billy erotic 
<laughs> Which will you guys. Not- <laughs> so that's my advice. Lindsay, thanks for writing in. And guys, Lindsay's starting her own podcast about she beer. Is. Which sounds freaking about beer. Am- about beer. Which sounds freaking amazing. So Lindsay, girl, we cannot wait to listen to your show. Um so yeah. And Sarah, if you want to write in with a question, oh. how, how could you get in touch with these creative geniuses over here? Well, AKA Mike, our emails are. <laughs> <laughs> Mike monitored by Sarah and Emily. You yes. could reach us at sisters.take.a.side at gmail.com. Guys, she just closed her eyes like she was reciting the Declaration of Independence. Because I was. It's not that hard. Or you could reach out to us, slide into those DMs. We love a good DM. We, you guys. we do love a good DM. We get excited we about them. We screenshot DM. them for each other and text we do. each other. <laughs> um, you can find us on Instagram at sisters take aside underscore podcast. Hell yeah. And hit us up there. Or you could leave us a five star review. <gasps> yeah. Guys, and I'm going to yeah, comment guys. about what you love about okay. us. Okay. <laughs> Call Sarah erotic. Um, oh my god. Okay, can you guys go do us a favor and go leave a rating or review? Um, no. Okay, I'm, being, I'm back at my crusade again. I was checking our Spotify ratings. We only have a 4.2 star rating on Spotify. What? So that means multiple people have given us less than a 5 star review and my feelings are hurt. <laughs> you guys, you don't so, get to hurt my sister's feelings like that. Yeah, I don't like it. I work hard and we work hard. Can you do a five-star review? Anyways, that's enough of that. I won't. Can I tell you how many, well, you know, how many people DM us and they're like, we'll trade five-star ratings if you, and I'm like, no, I want legit you ones. Guys, yeah, here's like the, the deal. Show. So listen, I love, I appreciate the hustle. I love the hustle. If people you're, are here hustling hard. You guys are. Listen, I don't want to buy your five star review. No, I just want your five star review. That's right. I don't. I don't want to buy your affection. I just want you to love me. Just love me. Captivating personality in my my nasally podcasting voice. Listen, we're erotic. So okay. You're just banned from Spotify. Okay. Anything else? That's it. This episode love is only seven hours long. Okay. Uh, we love you guys. Um, thanks for tuning Emily, in. Emily, what are we doing next week? I have no fucking idea. Great. I met some- people from Manchester, UK today <laughs> and talked all about the royal family and I quoted you 17 times. They Did love you- Camilla over there. They love her. Well, well. Choice. I think I'm just gonna. I think Princess Diana might be getting the last laugh up there. I'm just gonna go ahead and say, um, this is Sarah, and this is Emily, and, and this, this is Sister Sisters Take a Side. Well, I thought we were doing it together. We did, kind of. <laughs>